know, communication is very important when we communicate with one another. Undoubtedly, I did not communicate real well the scripture reading this morning because it was several verses rather than just one. Uh, uh, they only got uh, 16 out of it. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and beginning in ver- chapter verse 16, going down through the end of the chapter in verse 21, will be the text for our lesson this morning. This morning I want to begin a series of about five lessons concerning the, uh, the topic of authority, Bible authority. Where do we get our authority and where does that come from? How does it come? What do we look at? We're going to look at... Um, God's silence uh, is not permissive. Uh, Some other topics concerning authority. Uh, We're going to look at specific authority and indirect authority and those things in these five lessons. So these series of lessons will take us through, I believe, probably the second, uh, second Sunday in February, I believe. But I believe it is a needed topic for our time and day in which we live As far as authority, when we see a lot of people who resist authority, we see a lot of uh, people in our world resisting the authority of our policemen and the laws of the land and those types of things in many, many ways. But not only that, we see it in the Lord's church and in religion as a whole, uh, our country and people who resist the authority of the inspired word of God. If we want to know why we do something or how we do it in our lives or even in the Lord's church for his worship or whatever it may be, our number one source should be God's word. Not man's, not my opinion, not uh, some commentary or not some YouTube video that I've went and looked at or whatever the case may be. Uh, It needs to come from the Word of God. The Bible, and only the Bible, must be our sole standard for spiritual authority today. Number one, because only the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And number two, other standards are very inadequate. And number three, the Bible is all sufficient to meet every spiritual need that you and I have. This morning, my hope is that we are here today will be able to state without any doubt our standard, why our standards are lacking and understand Bible inspiration and even state why the Bible is all sufficient. And I hope to establish this morning in your mind the importance of letting the Bible settle all spiritual questions today. Again, not some video. We, you know, the the internet and things are great to, to, you know, a great, well, you just have to go to encyclopedias. Uh, and dig up stuff. Now we just type one or two words in and it gives us a whole plethora of, of information on whatever the case may be. But that not should be. Bobby brought a lesson upon that uh, several months ago. What did Google say? 
uh, about certain things. A very, very good, good lesson that that was. So this morning, Bible authority. Let's talk about it. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 16 through 21, the Bible reads, and Paul, or Peter writes here, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time, but by the will of man, but holy men of God, but by holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, we need to understand that the gospel is the good news. We find the gospel. The gospel is the instructions to us of how to become a Christian. The center of that is the death and burial resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he teaches us and he died upon the cross for the remission of our sins that we should be saved. How should we be saved? Through baptism, through the blood of Christ, which is the washing of the soul in the, in the blood of Christ, that water represents that blood. And then you get into baptism. I hope through this series that we'll talk about the authority for baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is simply an immersion. Baptism is an immersion. When you go and look at the Greek word baptizo, it is a full immersion. It is completely under the water and not just a little bit. But again, the gospel, it is, and we have to understand that uh, as Peter's writing here, he's talking about he's heard the old prophecies and things, and you have the Old Testament. And the Bible is broken into the Old Testament. It's broken into the New Testament. And we know that the Old Testament was nailed to the cross. And that law, as our Lord was put upon the cross, and, and, and that, that, that whole system was the old way of doing things. And then the new way, the New Testament came, the New Testament that He gave to the world and mankind. What about the text? Peter's writing, if you go back in that text, in Second Peter there, chapter 1, verse 1, he is writing to those who obtained a like precious faith. He is trying to build up their faith by adding to their Christian virtues when you go to verse 5 and through verse 8. He does not want to be negligent in ensuring that they are uh, to assure about the things upon which their faith is based. And that's what we find in the scripture between 11 and through 13. 
He wants them not to be negligent. He wants them to know for sure and understand for sure what their faith is based upon. And he begins our lesson text this morning, there in verse 16. He begins by saying that, that, that he taught, that what they were taught were not by fables. They were not just stories or whatever the case may have been. And additionally, he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And then he goes on to say that that prophecy is of not any private interpretation. It's not from man. And this prophecy was originated by the Holy Spirit. It is only by this authority that we can be sure of our calling and election. You and I must know without a shadow of a doubt, and our young people as well must know that this Bible is the inspired Word of God and that this is the only Word that we live by. And not what man has said, not by the one who, who is on the, the, the most high-rated or five-star uh, speaker on the internet this month. It's by what the Bible says. You know, historically, the Catholic Church was started by elevating man's origination of Scripture. You see, what people, what men do, men take this Bible and they say, well, oh, okay, well, I, I like this and I like that and I don't like this and I don't really, really like that. So I'm going to take and make my own way of doing things. Men has taken the scripture of Ephesians 5 and verse 19 to seek and make melody, sing and make melody in your hearts and turned it into their own origination and says, well, I, I can do that, but I want to add a piano. You see, that's their own origination because nowhere in the New Testament do you find that. Man wants to take Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned, and say, oh, you don't have to be baptized. You don't have to be fully immersed in the water. We can just take and sprinkle some water on top of your head, and you're baptized. Now, would you agree with me this morning that a baptism is a full cleansing? It is. It's a full cleansing. Now let me give you the example of this. Do you believe that when you are baptized into the blood of Christ and you are added to the body of Christ in the church, do you believe that it is that full immersion, but it wipes away all sin? It does. Now let me ask you this. We take your vehicle. And you'll say, I'm going to wash my vehicle. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to wash it. Now, I'm going to pay you to wash it. And I go out there and I drop about 15 to 20 drops of water on top of your vehicle and say, it is washed, and give it back to you and give my money. What are you going to say? You didn't wash my vehicle. It's not clean. You see, the sprinkling of water, as some denominations teach, of baptism is not what the Bible says baptism is. So we are looking today for that scriptural authority concerning those things in the Bible and that we see today in our lives. So again, uh, in the early, a Catholic church was elevated by that. Man's origin, the Baptist church was originated by that. The Methodist church was originated by that. By man's origination. This is what I think. 
Ooh, I like a fell off. Something like I was five inches from gone. I have a history of falling anyway. I was in a gospel meeting several years ago, and I, I come off the front bench to get up here and start, start preaching wherever I was at. I hit the second step and went down. And I popped right back up, though. But again, man's origination of scriptures is where all these beliefs come from. In the early, early 19th century, there was a man by the name of Thomas Campbell. He was born in 1763 in Ireland. And he joined the Presbyterian Church. And, but later on, he sought for Bible authority. There is no time more needed than in 2023 that we need to find biblical authority. For things that we do. We have so many different beliefs today in the world. And people are so confused. People are relying, putting their souls on the belief of what mom and dad done. Or what my good friend done. Or which one has the latest hashtag. Hashtag live your life. Hashtag life. Hashtag be the whatever. Everybody's looking for a hashtag instead of biblical authority. And we need to make sure that people understand we have to go back to the Bible to find those things. So again, this man Campbell, he saw for biblical authority. He wrote a document and it was in termed Declaration and Address. Now this is not an inspired document, but he addressed a few things. Actually 13 different things he addressed for Christians to have religious unity. And proposition number two and three is what I want to look at. Proposition number two of those 13, that although the church of Christ upon earth must necessarily exist in particular in distinct societies, locally separate from one another, yet there ought to be no schisms nor uncharitable divisions among them. They ought to receive each other as Christ Jesus hath received them to the glory of God. And for this purpose, they ought to all walk by the same rule to mind and speak the same thing and be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, number three, he says, that in order to do this, nothing ought to be inculcated upon Christians as articles of faith, nor required of them as terms of communion, but what is expressly taught and enjoined upon them in the word of God nor ought anything to be admitted as of divine obligation in their church constitution and managements, but what is expressly enjoined by authority of our Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles upon the New Testament church, either in express terms or by approved precedent. Now, so what does all that say? Campbell sought to make the Bible our only standard for faith and spiritual practice to gain religious, religious unity. And you see what he did? Even though that's not an inspired document, there's a lot of truth to that. Because he made this, the statement there, he talked about their constitution and their managements. You see, what he did was a departure from what was normal in religion. You see, today, we as Christians and we as people who go about teaching people need to teach people that we need to depart from what is quoted normal religion. Normal religion, a lot of times in today's world, is not true religion. And see, we need to understand that. 
We need to understand what spiritual authority is. The Bible claims it is to be the only standard from God for man's spiritual practices while upon earth. Folks, let me tell you something. You don't need anything else but the Bible. We don't need gyms. We don't need this activity or that activity. We need the Word of God to be instilled into our hearts, into our children's hearts, that God created us and God sustains us and God will take us home one day. And if you want to go and you love God and you want to be with God one day, this is what you've got to do. There's no other way to get there. We can take and build all the things we want to build. And we, we can encourage people to do this and to do that because we say, well, the cultures are changing. People need this and people need that. Well, I'm going to tell you, all you need is the Bible and Jesus Christ. And you need his forgiveness and baptism of your sin. And you need to live faithfully and love God with all your heart. and we'll get to where we need to go. It's that simple. Now let's move on. <clears throat> you see, these statements that Campbell wrote reflect what the Bible teaches about unity. Denominations sometimes, some the particular denominations sometimes ago, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, needed guidance on whether they were going to accept homosexuals into their church but also use them as ministers. You know where they went? They went to their creed. They went to the, 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 the group of men in some other city that was grouped together to give them guidance on that. You know, we don't have to do that. You know where our guidance comes from? Right here. I can read right there and tell you a homosexual cannot be accepted into the body of Christ without forgiveness and baptism for their sins or repentance. If they're willing to repent of that sin, they can come right on in. I ain't talking about coming and sitting on the bench. <laughs> you see, that's different. But see, we don't need that. First thing this morning, the Bible is inspired of God. Only the words of God are authoritative and powerful. And we need to understand that this morning. God's words, words are always fulfilled, and such cannot be said of other authorities. Isaiah 55, in verses 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, and giveth seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word, now watch it, be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I Please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Luke 1 and verse 17, one version puts it this way, for no word from God shall be void of power. Every word of God has power. And I want to tell you, when we start teaching respect back for the Bible again, we can get it back there. You see... The Word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, 
It's piercing unto the dividing of a soul, the spirit, both joints and marrow. And it's quick to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and hid and open before his eyes for whom we have to do. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. The Bible is of God and Bible has the authority. Only the Spirit of God can reveal the mind of God. Did you hear that? Only the Spirit of God can reveal the mind of God. No man can reveal the mind of God. You see 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 13. says, For who among men knoweth the things of men, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God none knoweth, save the spirit of God. No other religion can reveal the mind of God. You see, the Bible is inspired. You see, Peter, in 1 Peter 1, in verses 10 through 11, he says, concerning which is salvation, the prophet sought and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did point unto, which is testified before the suffering of Christ and the glories that should follow him. You see, Peter here is establishing the unity of the Scriptures. He's establishing the unity of the Scriptures from, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. You see, it's all in unity. Not one part will you find that contradicts the other part. All scriptures inspired, 2 Timothy 3 and verses 16 and 17. As you get there, you know the scripture well. It's proper for teaching, for reproof and correction and instruction with it, which is in righteousness. That the man of God may be what? Complete, furnished, completely unto every good work. And you people want to talk about today prophecies. I've, been, I've prophesied, or this person can prophesy this. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes and says, those prophecies are done away with. That's just hogwash. No more additions or subtractions allowed after the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22 and verses 18 and 19 says, I testify unto you every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto them, God shall add unto him the, the plagues which are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and out of the holy city which is written in this book. We shall not add to or take away. You see, we live in a world where people want to add two things. They want to say, Oh, I want to add this. I don't like this. I want to do it this way. You see, the book of Revelation says no. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Take it as it is. You see, when you or myself or anyone who is studying to learn to how to become a New Testament Christian, we need to read the Bible and take it for what it says and quit trying to make it fit what we want it to say. If we truly want to know what God is saying to us, that's how we will read and approach the Word of God. 
But number two this morning, other standards are woefully inadequate. You see, our standard is not other men or other authorities or their traditions. Galatians 1, 11 through 12. For I make known to you, brethren, as touching the gospel which was preached by me, that it is not after man, Paul writes, for neither did I receive it from man or was I taught it, but it came to me through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, this morning, our standard is not some man's thought. Our standard is not of other men or authorities. It's not from some creed book. It's not from some group of men. It is from the Holy Spirit penned through God, from the Holy Spirit penned to, through man's hands. You know what? If it was from men's thoughts and men's originations and how men wanted it to happen, which denominations are, we could build the church how we wanted it to be built. We could do whatever we wanted to do. But we have authority through the scriptures because men are inadequately, woefully inadequate without the help of God. You see, our, own, our standard is not our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You see, man is not the source of truth. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. You see, that's not our authority. Our authority is not our own understanding. Well, this is how I understand this about when we talk about music in the Lord's church. Well, this is how I understand this when we talk about baptism, whether it's a full immersion or whatever. It's not what about you understand. It's about what the Bible and what God's Word has said. The examples we have in the Bible of baptism are full immersion. John was baptizing whether it was little water, right? No, it was much water. When our Lord was baptized or whatever, they came up out of the water. When the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 came, was baptized, he says they came up out of the water. They went down into it and they came up. You see, all the examples we have throughout the Bible, that's our authority. And let me tell you too, our own, our a standard, our standard is not, let me say again, our standard is not our own feelings. As we've already mentioned, you know, some want to say, well, I feel, I think, well, this makes me feel good. Well, this is what I think it should be. Jeremiah wrote to that in Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. He says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You see, Jeremiah realized that. Jeremiah said, it's not in me. And I want to tell you what, today, 
in January of 2023, we need to realize that it's not in me. It's God in me through me, if that makes sense. Jeremiah says it's not in me. It's not in man's ways to direct his step. We can't lean upon our own understanding. Our standard is not in angels. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. All right, but though we or any angel from heaven shall preach unto you the gospel, that which has been preached unto you, let him be, what, accursed? You see, there are people who claim to be religiously on the higher than other people. So not only do we have our standards are woefully inadequate, but number three, the Bible is all sufficient to meet every spiritual need. We do, we do not need a new revelation. Do you hear that? Older people and younger people as well. We do not need another revelation. We do not need another Bible. We do not need another church. We do not need another way to worship. It's sufficient to teach all men how to leave. Titus chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 and 17. It's sufficient to give us all good works. It's sufficient to, to give us all things that pertains to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 and 2 and 3. It takes care of all of our needs. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You see, the Bible is all sufficient to meet all the things. All the things are good works. You see, this book... provides you everything that you need. This book can teach a young man how to look for a good godly wife. Can teach a young lady how to look for a good godly man. This book can teach you how to become a Christian the way the Bible says to become a Christian. There's a lot of people who think, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, are you a Christian in the way the Bible says become a Christian? That's my question. A lot of people claim Christianity. But this book can help you be a better employee. Help you be a better employer. Help you be a better mama, better daddy. Better son, better daughter. Better neighbor. See, this book has everything you need. But you know the most important thing that it has? It has the lifeline to living with God one day. Yeah. This book gives you direction of how to go and live with God one day. You see, I ask you the question, do you, you love God? I believe you do. If you didn't, 
If you didn't, you wouldn't make no effort to be here. I, th I think you get caught up in some things sometimes in life and it takes you away from doing it. It's like I've been guilty of. But do you really love God? If you do, and you want to be with God, you'll seek out what it takes to go to be with Him. Now let me tell you real quickly. To go to be with God, you've got to hear the Word. Romans 10, verse 17, so that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You've heard the Word preached probably many times in your life. You must believe that He is, that He is the Son of God. He died for the remission of your sins. You must make that great confession. You've got to be willing to repent of the ways you have lived and say, I'm turning my life on that old way of life and I'm starting anew and I'm going this way, a 180 degree turn. And you must be willing to confess his name as Acts 8, as that Ethiopian did. Philip asked him, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? With all my heart. I, sir, I do believe it. Confess him before men and be baptized. Baptized a full immersion to have those sins washed away to become anew. Everyone who is in Christ is a new creature, a new way of life, a new way of thinking, new way of talking, new way of acting. Our biblical authority comes from the Bible. If you want to know how to be a true Christian, one that we can read about in the Bible, that's, that the member of the body of Christ, that they added to the church on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and 47, you have to go to the Bible. You can't rely upon me or just somebody else or go to the latest video or whatever. you got to go to the Bible. What does it say? And when you do that, you can find the truth. You can't rely upon a pastor. A lot of people in times I've studied with through the years, I said, well, I, my pastor said, well, I don't want to know what your pastor said. I want to know what the Bible says. And when we show them what the Bible says, they say, wow, nobody ever showed me that. I didn't know that was in there. Our Bible authority comes from the Bible, the Word of God. This morning, maybe you need to submit to the authority of the Bible. You need to become a Christian. You need to put him on in baptism. Maybe you need to come home and say, I, I, I've sinned, I, I've went away, and I need the prayers of the Lord's church. We can pray with you and for you. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.